Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Hey team, before we get into today's podcast, I just want to let you know this was recorded before the SAG after strike officially started. So if we hit on any topics that refer to the strike being in process, or if we talk about things that don't seem relevant at a time like this, just so you know, this was recorded in advance. Thank you guys so much for listening and please enjoy today's podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learn in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine, and I'm recording this intro the day we recorded this podcast, and it's official that we're going on strike. So that's a lot of feelings. Obviously, all the podcasts previous to this probably were recorded before this, but I think it's important to designate that is happening today. I've already given you guys lots of resources on Instagram of people I think you should be following. But just so you know, you should be following and getting emails from SAG-AFTRA if you are a member. You should also just be following their social media if you're not a member because just a reminder, a lot of the media that we consume, even things like Deadline and other big sources are involved and or get money from people who are on the other side of the negotiation table. So it's important to know where you're getting your information from. And I just want to double check that box. Hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, I've seen some of you on the picket lines. So I look forward to that. But in the meantime, I think today's podcast episode is perfectly timed because I just recorded with Eddie Alfano. Eddie is a friend of a friend of a friend, as Hollywood always works. Although we've kind of worked together in projects in the past, I've also seen a ton of his work over the years. You probably haven't missed him in the work of it all because perhaps you saw the movie Birds of Prey, or maybe you saw the show Barry, or Shameless, or Good Trouble, or Criminal Minds, or maybe you saw Baby Splitters, or Helena's Bodyguard. All of these movies involve Eddie. And he has a very interesting career that self-proclaimed I'm an actor time started right before the writer's strike of 2008. So he has a really good kickoff to this call. I want you guys all to listen to it because he talks about what he did well in that writer's strike time in the beginning of his career and what he wished he would have done looking back and or what he would change about that now that things are very different. Also, we really get into talking about typecasting and roles. Eddie's often typecast as the cop or the bad guy or the heavy. And he talks about deciding to lean in or not to that. And he differentiates between his acting journey and his Hollywood journey. We also talk about how he gets his 10,000 hours as an actor and all the things he's learned from doing different sorts of films and casting his own projects. He's also at the Strasberg Institute teaching a self-tape class right now, so he shares some of the through lines he learned in that. So regardless of where we are in the strike, or maybe you're listening to this later on, and that is all in the past, this is a very good episode, and I think you guys are going to get a lot from Eddie. So without further ado, please enjoy Eddie Alfano. I think it's important to note that we're recording this the morning of the, what is today, the 14th, 13th? The strike day, the 13th. So we are waiting for official headquarters email drop that we are officially going on strike, quote unquote. National committee is meeting and talking and we're going to record a podcast anyway because 
the times will go on. And just like the pandemic, we've been through nonsense like this. But how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I mean, I, I feel like this is due. I feel like it's time. I was thinking back to the 08 writer's strike. And like, I guess I misremembered that SAG didn't actually go on strike. I was fairly active during that. I would join my writer friends and I I was like, oh, wait, we didn't actually, this is the, this would be the first time I think in 60 years that the two unions both were on strike. And I do feel like it's the time. I just think this is a real important crossroads and anything less than really crossing our T's and dotting our I's on the future of this business. You could argue it should have been 20 years ago, but certainly now it's like, let's just stop this before it gets so spiraled out of control and then all is completely lost. I always feel like group things like this that are controlled with like a lot of legal entities are just like government websites. It takes them a long time to catch up with the time (laughs) because you have to jump through a lot of hoops. And so I feel like we're just at that point. So you were working in LA during the writer's strike in 08? Yeah. How did that roll with your career? It was terrible. It it literally came probably two months after I declared myself a working actor. I was like, I'm a working actor. I'm quitting my other jobs. And, and it literally like the, like the writer's strike kind of happened in October. And I think I declared myself an actor in like August or September. When you declare yourself an actor, what what is what does yeah, that no. look like? <laughs> yeah, no, look, it's like it was a huge deal for me, right? And like I had started acting, I got into this way too late. I took my first acting class at 27. Literally my first acting class. And I fell in love with acting instantly. Taking a class at Santa Monica College, I did my first scene in front of people for for the first time and I was like this is it. This is the thing. Like I had been searching for something to give my life meaning. I'm a former athlete. Like sports was the thing that always did it for me. And then I stopped playing in college and then nothing was really working out for me in the workforce. I I just couldn't, I found no passion in anything and blah, blah, blah. And I knew I was 27 and then embarking on a ridiculously difficult career And I was like, well, we got to have some sort of guideline to say, okay, you're not completely out of your mind. Still to be determined (laughs) if that was the case. But but I said said to myself, though, like, and and not to say like, oh, I'm going to give it five years, right? Because that's, you can't go into this business with any sense of that. But I said, after five years, I need to have some sort of meaningful progress in this endeavor, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, And I didn't really define that. But I think in the back of my head, there was some sense of like being a working actor, right? Making your terrible living from acting income, some low (laughs) bar that's actually a really high bar, but you know, to a normal person, it's such a low bar. And that was like, so that was in 07, I had done my first real film role and it was probably like a two or $3 million budget. I was like, sixth on the call sheet or whatever. It was it was a substantial supporting role with actors that I, you know, the only ones above me I recognized and they were truly working actors and former stars, right? Like that that mm-hmm. sort of bill. And, and before that, I had booked a, a Volkswagen commercial and I had done a couple of TV co-stars and, and they all kind of came together and, and collectively 
I was going from job to job and like making a, a low yeah. level income. That was my declaration of like, I, I didn't understand that like, it's not, oh, I'm a working actor for three months. Therefore I'm a working actor. I think for me, emotionally, I needed to declare that so that I could have that like victory that would keep me going, right? It came four years into it, right? Four years into my pursuit, I was I got to that point and it was very important for me to continue going to say like that I did it. I'm I'm a working actor. And then the writer's strike. And now now, even if the writer's strike didn't come, that I probably would have hit it wouldn't that that type of work would have not been consistent. Cause when is it ever? Because when is it ever, right? But it definitely, you know, it, it stunk. The writer's strike, it was a two-year period. I remember like in 2010, I kind of started getting back into booking TV co-stars. And I was like, oh, okay, we're back now. That was, okay. that was a two-year period. Did you do anything in that writer's strike that you were like, oh, this was a good use of my time? Or were there things that you were like, oh, this was not a good use of my time. Like what lessons can you give us as we head into this one? Yeah, I mean, so back then I was much better about using downtime. So I ended up co-writing a feature film script during the writer's strike with a writer friend who always told me I should be writing this story about a real life event. And he was busy writing on TV shows. And then he was off during the strike and he was like, if you do the first draft on that script, I'll co-write it with you. An important lesson in that is that when you get these tiny opportunities, you got to take them. Okay, so what's the opportunity? The opportunity there was an established writer who had writing agents and who had multiple features that he had written that gotten made was offering to co-write a script with me. And if you're not a writer, you don't understand what a massive opportunity that that is, right? First of all, his know-how and knowledge what made it happen. But then for me, I'm big on like, I need to know what the odds are when I'm going into something, right? And if I feel like the odds are getting close to zero, it gets hard for me to be motivated to put the work in. And I knew going in with someone who had agents real writing agents that are the ones making stuff happen. Like now my odds went from zero to like 0 0.001. And I, I can play, I can play those odds. And we ended up writing two scripts. We with the, neither got made spoiler alert, neither script got made, but it was still, it was a, it was a wonderful experience. It was, a, it was a heartbreaking experience. It, it was depressing, but also an amazing experience because it cultivated like a whole writing journey for me that I don't write scripts, but it's opened me up to other writing stuff that I do enjoy. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Was there anything that you did? And obviously that was a very long time ago. So we're all very different people than yeah. we were at that time. Like we've all grown up quite a bit, but is there anything you wish you would have utilized during that time? Like, did you have another job? How did you make ends meet if it was two years before you had consistent yeah. work? So that was the useful thing, right? And then I wasn't in an acting class during that, which is sinful. I'm so regretful for that. And I was part of a theater company back then. So it was like, wasn't that expensive. So that, that's just like a total bad use of my time. I was able to survive because 
that Volkswagen commercial actually started running during the strike and it ran a lot. And then I was like on unemployment, commercial residuals, whatever odd jobs I, I did. And then, and then getting credit card debt. It was like terrible. I was so eager to be a working actor. And so this is the only thing I want to do. And I have to cut every string in order for that to play out. I had this very black and white view of things. I'm not going to spend time on anything other than what I ultimately want to do. Turn down work. Oh, can you work at my nightclub? Can you personal train me? Right. And just like, no, I'm an actor during a freaking strike when they're really, you know, like just, just ignorant, basically. I feel like that was like the philosophy though, until very recently was that saying of, if you can do something else, do that. But if you want to be an actor, you got to give it everything. And it's like, yes, but also no, we're playing people who do multiple things. So like, we have to be able to do multiple things or else how do we survive times like this? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I was a different person back then, right? I was single. I lived in a studio apartment and I didn't care about anything else. I, I legitimately didn't care about it. I didn't care if I had money in the bank. I didn't care if I never wanted to have children. I, I had none of these like life goals that, that can be at conflict with that attitude. So in some ways, I think it was like I was in a situation where I could have that attitude and therefore I took that attitude. And, you know, I'm using this time to write the script. I almost looked at it like I'm a business that's not making a profit yet and we've got to throw money into the business and we've got to borrow money like, like that. And, and it, didn't, it didn't pan out. Some people have to have that approach. Some people are tuned that way and just know the consequences, right? It's like an Elon Musk type of approach. I'm going to go into debt and make this Tesla company a thing. And like most companies like Tesla and, and you go bankrupt and, and that's a wrap. But, but he, he's turned it into billions of dollars. And I was like, I can get through this and then there'll be the paydays at the end. And, and it, it, didn't quite, it didn't quite go that way. That's what I would say is like, I don't think there's any right or wrong. It's very specific to who you are at that time in your life. And, you know, if I was giving advice to someone, I would say, don't be stupid. Don't do that. My, my thing was this. My thing was, I saw a lot of actors who got too vested into their side gig. And I used to work at a gym and like, I, I would work the front desk at the gym and make $8 an hour. And they were like, what? Do you want to do sales? Do you want to be a personal trainer? And I was like, no, because those are careers. And if I do that, I'm going to like the money I'm making. I'm going to like the stability. And then I'm going to be beholden to that. I'm going to not be able to walk away from it and go to the audition, right? And PS, this was back when you, you go into in-person auditions, changed the relationship with, with having a, a, a part-time job, it was very limited to what you could actually do to earn money and still go on every single audition you, you got. So yeah, it was definitely stupid. But then to anyone out there who's like built that way, I would say just know the risks you're taking. And, and if you're okay with the outcome going poorly, if you're okay with that result happening, 
you got to do what you got to do. But yeah. Don't do well, it. it's just good to know too. This, but don't do it. I mean, I'm a big proponent and I also like my career took off, took off. LOL. What does that even mean? I started to feel like a real working actor right after the pandemic. That's when I finally had a team I aligned with. In 2021, I had probably the best year of my career. Yeah. And it took a lot of meandering to figure that out. And then in 2022, I built up a business that I'm now learning how to offset. And now I'm learning how to, like, I hired people so I don't have to do much in the day-to-day from now on. And, like, that is how I'm interpreting that. I'm also, like, kind of risk-averse, which is really hilarious that I decided to be an actor. I would prefer to, especially right now, right? Like my advice would be something to the effect of like, can you build up something that can run in the background for when this does roll down the hill as we roll it up, right? So right now I'm like hiring people and working on like systems in place and all these things. So I don't have to have my hand in the pot all day long so I can unfocus. So it's like, can I do some focused work now so I can leave it alone later? And also the gift of that is like my financial situation for the foreseeable future is not directly affected by the strike. Like I can still put food on the table. I can still pay rent. So it's like what you said, I think is really important for people to hear of like what kind of person, like where are you? Like where do you fit on the scale? The answer is not fit for everyone. Also though, in this modern version of acting, it's completely different, right? Like this was 2008 that I'm talking about when you literally were on call, go to an audition in two hours. Yes. You're like, oh, can can you get to an audition in Santa Monica at 4.30? And it's like, well, it's 2.30. Can you be there? And it's like, yes, of course I can be there because I'm a schmuck and I'm going to drop everything (laughs) I'm doing and go there, right? That. As of right now, that doesn't exist. So I would say what you just said is amazing. That's the ideal scenario. But I would say for anyone else out there that's like in that phase of their career that I was at in 07, where you're so eager to declare you're a working actor and you hate your goddamn pay the bills job and all that shit. Just what I would say is make money in a way that doesn't get in the way of your pursuit of acting of your 100% pursuit of acting. They yes. do not compromise your pursuit of acting. Now, for me right now, I could work eight hours a day and have that and still not tap into my pursuit of acting, right? It's so rare that I don't have the luxury of doing a self-tape when I want. Occasional commercial audition that's in person that I would have to rearrange a schedule for So then I would say, like, if there's a way to make money that doesn't make you want to punch the wall when you're there, do it. Do it. Do it until you're a regular on a show or you're just in a situation where you're just working so much that that you can't do it. And then again, that doesn't account for the emotional side of if you're at a job that you just hate so much. That was my problem. I just had a lot of like tension. And that was ego. It was it was ego, but it was also a real thing. It was like, I can't, I just couldn't function in a lot of these jobs I tried to do to make money. And I was like, I'm better off quitting because the anger and anxiety it's causing me is just like, I, I can't, I can't fight through it. Yeah. You're going to spend more time most likely on your day job than you are on acting there. for a great portion of your career. Right. So if you can do something 
that doesn't want to make you like jump out of the car window, this is a great time to figure out what that is and like kind of invest in that. You said something I want to talk back to, which is you were like, well, do that until you're working and things like that. And you, my friend, you have been working. And maybe it doesn't always feel like that, but your resume is pretty stacked. I feel like I randomly will see you on TV at least a couple of times a year. And I'm like, oh, it's Eddie. What does your day-to-day life look like now? And I really want to get into like the specific types of roles that you have kind of niched into. In terms of the types of roles, Hollywood quickly decided I was a cop. And then bad guy, right? Uh And a certain type of bad guy, you know, like the bad guy who folds under questioning in the, that's not the real bad guy in the TV episode. And then as soon as they apply a little bit of pressure, he's like, oh, yeah, it was really him. I'm, I'm, those were like it. That was the only things I was getting called in for. And then they started seeing me for now, like dad stuff, right? Like dad stuff, personal trainer types. I'm always kind of in there. And the type that I play, it's changing a little bit just as I'm getting older, but what's changed a little and what my main motivator is, is just the size of those types. You are what you are. Like you're going to plug certain, certain holes, right? And then you just want to plug bigger holes is basically the way I look at it. So yes, more cops, more bad guys, but let's get recurring guest stars Instead of one episode guest stars and re- or recurring co-stars where you're like the, the bad guy that's part of the group of bad guys as opposed to the head. I mean, this is like broad strokes, but. Well, when you started to notice that it was after a while, you see through lines in your work, right? It's a lot of cops. This is a lot of bad guys. This is a lot of like Dirk Dider, the heavies. Did you ever feel like yourself push back from it? Like, no, but I can do more. No, but I want to show you this. Like. Because a lot of actors struggle with this feeling of being typecast. And in my head, I'm like, hey, you're at least your cast. But like, what did you struggle with in that? My first thing was like, in my acting class, I'm playing leading men, leading men. Yeah. Because that's what you do in acting class, right? Like you're picking material that is by definition leading man or where you're not doing like the supporting role from a play. The rich material is in the leads. And then in your real life, you're the lead right? Like you have relationships and the, and the stuff that you encounter in your real life that you draw from as an actor is all leading roles sort of stuff. It's breakups, it's falling in love, it's brothers, it, you know, sister, it's that. And then Hollywood's like, no, you're freeze, put your hands down, motherfucker. And, and it's <laughs> like, it's demeaning. It angered me, right? It angered me, you know, and, and this is true of life, right? It's like the gap between how you see yourself and how the rest of the world sees you, that's the biggest distance. In the, we're trying to shorten that, that distance. So that's step one is get angry. Step two is get depressed. And then step three is, well, what do I do about this? Because I can only be angry and depressed. They're winning if that's all I'm doing. And so step three is, why should they hire me for something other than that? Why? Because in an acting class, I was really good in a, in a scene. And yes, that is something, right? Like if, if you are able to do great scenes in your acting class, that means something. But then it's, is that enough for Hollywood to start saying, oh, well, we got to use this guy some other way instead of freeze police. 
And then that was when I made my short film. Because what happens is you feel powerless. Every step of the way up is you feel powerless to get to the next step. And you're sitting there and you're spinning your wheels and it's like, okay, take a step back. What proof am I giving them to, to use me in any other way? I, I'm actually doing theater. I can't get any casting directors to come see my shows, right? They're not going to sit in my acting class. And every now and then they give me an audition where I get to show that I'm more, but usually it's not. Usually they keep calling me in for the same auditions because I'm making, because I'm good at that. I'm very usable as, as that. So you got it. Mm -hmm. You got it. And I'm sure that's what your materials reflected too, right? Like your of headshots course, yeah. and your reel and stuff were geared towards that. My reel is all that. So it's like, they're very happy using me in that way. It makes their job easy. And it's it's like, well, no, we got Eddie Alfano for, for this. Why do we want to make our lives hard and try to get Eddie Alfano for that? So what can I do without getting like foo-foo, but I'm big on like, at least tell the universe that you're yeah. something more. Like at least let the universe hear you're something more. And then start attacking the individual gatekeepers with proof that that you're something more. So it's like, okay, I'm going to make my short film. Now, do I think I'm going to make my short film and it's going to go to Sundance where all of Hollywood's going to watch it and be like, oh my God, this hidden gem has just been here in you know, plain sight and we're naive for not Where's he been? Yeah. <laughs> and that's actually like Vin Diesel's story is actually like on that track where he made a short film that Spielberg saw at the Cannes Film Festival, right? Like, but if you're holding out for that, you could also just play the lottery and get the same kind of odds on success happening. So I made my short and in doing that, what I discovered was like, it wasn't even about letting the powers that be see my short. It was about like what you discover about yourself. It, it does so much good for you, even if it doesn't result in the Vin Diesel path, right? You can have resentment, right? Because you're always, you can always have resentment and I'll champion that. Some people's stuff pops. Some people's stuff does pop and their career yeah. path can be traced back to I did X, Y, Z and then boom, all this happened. The problem is those are the stories that get told. And then that is the dream everyone's chasing. And the 99.99% of the stories is more like mine, where you do something that's outside of the box and you get these tiny little blips. You don't even see them manifesting in any tangible way. I would be shocked if anyone ever did something like that and was like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. You're only going to have something positive come from whether it's doing a play, whether it's making a short film, whatever it is, doing student films, right? Acting in student films. It, it drives me nuts when the actors on set will say like, yeah, and you never know who might see this. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck who sees it. I'm acting in something like that is so much more than I was doing yesterday. So that in and of yeah. itself is the reward. Well, and it too, if you get too deep into that, like who might see it, I watch actors do this all the time where they want to like do something for social media or they want to like make a short film or something like that. And they get into the who might see it of it all. And then their idea shifts to provide 
for those people. Yeah. And then their outlook is thinking about those people seeing it where it's like you can't control whether or not yeah. they see it to make the thing you want to make. Because like if I made one broke actress thinking like casting and agents and managers are going to see this, it would have looked real fucking right, different. Right. And I can't think about that when I'm making it because you're going to make something for someone. It's like when you start acting for your acting teacher in your right, acting right. class. Very different. Yeah. Like, and, and that's the thing too. Make your art, right? We're claiming to be artists. If we're defining ourselves as that, well then as an auditioning actor, I'm rarely being an artist. It's very rare that, you know, so, so I'm going to have this big like hole inside of me if that's where I'm chasing what I do as an artist. So I've got to find these things outside of Hollywood to fulfill that pursuit of mine that you know, they're loosely connected, the two. At times, they're completely unconnected, right? This is, I, I, I definitely want to talk about this because you, something you mentioned to me was delineating the difference between your actor journey and your Hollywood journey. Yeah. Yeah. So your Hollywood journey is your career in TV shows and films, loosely defined as Hollywood, right? And that's mm -hmm. the journey as actors that it's completely out of your control and you may or may not get lucky. And even if you get lucky, you may or may not fulfill your acting goals. There's plenty of great paying jobs in Hollywood that I don't think would be fulfilling the, the artist in you. And, and that can be fine too. But then I always put things back to sports. In sports, it's rare that the two are not completely linked. LeBron James is career in basketball followed his journey as a basketball player. The better you get at your sport, the, the more your success in the professional world, with, with few exceptions, some people get left out, but it's very rare. Now, as an actor, these two things can be going in bizarre directions. There's, the most talented people are not always the ones doing the most successful journey in Hollywood. If you're only focusing on your journey in Hollywood, that's going to create a lot of problems. And it's also, it should be like a sport. You, you should be treating it like a sport where you're like, well, how, how good am I as an actor? And, and how much better did I get each year? What am I doing to advance my journey as an actor? How do you see that as quantifiable without bookings involved? Yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting one because it's not, I scored 30 points last night. It's a subjective craft. So early on, if you're just starting out, it's got to start in a class of some sort. So what I would say, and this sometimes is a tough pill to swallow, but it's like, are you moving people in class? Like, are, are you, and it's, most teachers, it's always good job. Like, like it's, it's, it's kind of hard to sift through because there's a lot of positive reinforcement and no one's going to tell you like, you're just not that good. Like I watch your scenes and, and I don't believe any of it. And, and I'm certainly not drawn to tears from any performance you do. And I'm not drawn to laugh, like whatever. So now sometimes teachers will pull you, like pull you aside and say like, look, you're really good at this thing. It, it's tough. It's to, to like get some quantifiable. I know for me, when I started acting at 27 and I thought I knew what it was about and I was terrible. By the time I got to like 30, when I started to figure out what it was, I had, I had a great mentor 
His name was Peter Haskell. He was an amazing actor from the 60s through the 90s. He was my guy, right? And I, I trusted him and I, I knew he was being honest when he told me I was doing good work. And I was part of a theater group where it was like the feedback I was getting from the group. I saw that I was, I was advancing. And again, like, no, I started booking more jobs then, but like, was it because I was getting better as an actor? Maybe or maybe not, right? Because it wasn't rocket science, the, the jobs I was booking, right? And then I would say, though, like, outside of Hollywood, there's tons of things to book. There's student films, there's plays. So if you're like, how's that struggle going? Like, if, if you're not, if you're not able to book in, in that world now, like, could it be you're a great actor and you're just not the right type? Y yes. But yeah. over time, I think the cream starts to slowly, maybe kind of sort of rise to the middle. There's some more like tangible ways to start to set it. It's a dilemma because in a more cruel world, it would be told by a teacher. In other endeavors, you fall off because you're not good enough, right? You don't make the team. You get cut yeah. from the basketball team and it's very okay. Like you're not going to the NBA because you're mm -hmm. not making the black and white. Yeah. yeah. So some, I don't know, some teachers can express that to you, but, but yeah, the only, the only way, the only guide we have is peers who are never honest and then the industry. And I would say in between that is the, the satellite industry of student films, theater, on other more competitive pursuits that aren't Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, I think you said some really good stuff there because, listen, if you would have told me when I first started that 12, 13 years in, I just had someone reach out to me and say, hey, I'm finishing my USC master thesis film and I think uh, there's a part for you in it. I would have been like, I'm not doing like that type of work. Like I've been here for so long. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's actually a pretty good script. Yeah, sure. I have the time. Like, let's 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 get on camera. Let's see what I can learn. Because this just doesn't look like what we were sold it looks like, right? So knowing that that to me, someone they just know me from Instagram, and like maybe they watched my reel or something. But that to me, I'm like, oh great, we're, I'm I'm being seen. I'm being like people are thinking of me. I'm gonna get on a camera, no matter what work I do that day, no matter what it results in, whether it's good real footage or not that to me is quality time spent. And that is the quantitative stuff that you were just talking about of like, can you set that bar for yourself in some way? Yeah. Yeah. And I also, it's like they, everyone talks about the 10,000 hours, right? Yeah. 10,000 hours for mastery. How many actors do you know that have 10,000 hours of acting experience? Not many, yeah. right? Obviously, I wish my career was not doing student films. I wish my career was so busy because I'm a regular on a show or I'm doing films overseas with Leonardo DiCaprio for six months, right? We get that, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone gets that. That's what we wanted. Just like the basketball player wants to be in the NBA, but if they're given an opportunity to play in a pickup game, they don't turn their nose up at it because they, they like playing basketball. You know, that's kind of my approach to all of this other stuff, like student, obviously there, you know, there's some, there's some things where you're like, okay, this, this could be a waste of my time. And I got, you know, you don't like, this is not a good script or, you know, like that. But if, if there's, there's mm -hmm. a good script, I'm, I'm in as long as it's not interfering with like, like 
schedule or something like that. I'm just like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to yeah. keep doing these non-paying short films because what a great opportunity for me to just keep getting my getting toward that that thousand hours is and especially when we're talking like on film if you think about most actors they come up in a classroom for me that was my journey i developed my acting chops in a, in a workshop on a stage in front of people and then i started booking tv shows and i was like oh god this is a whole different there's a whole new learning a whole new skill set that i've got to develop oh totally because i think I'd love to touch on that, the work that you learned in class, because you started class when you said you were like 26, 27, yeah. and then going to a set, when you're doing classwork, you have several pages, you are there with a scene partner who's engaged and all this stuff. And then when you get on set, it's like half the time you're the last person to film, <laughs> everyone else goes home, you're talking to it like an eyeline that has nothing to do with where your partner is, you're talking to no one like on the phone or something. And you have to take what you learned in acting class and make it work in these insane scenarios when you have three words to say and they have about 18 minutes to film it. And you've been waiting there for like 12 hours. What has come through for you in that like learning curve over the years? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the big, the biggest thing that I had trouble with was nobody saying anything to me. I was so <laughs> used to the collaborative process that one gets in an acting class and in a... Like feedback and notes yeah, and stuff. And, and rehearsal. And yeah. what about this? Yeah. You know, all this, all this like actor stuff that we love. And then you get on yeah. set. I mean, literally didn't know who the director was. And I wrecked. I had no clue who was directing this episode of television because the, the first AD or second AD brought me to set. And then we rehearsed. Nobody else said hello to me. The, the actors are typically really nice. And then, okay, we'll get you into final looks or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then I did like take takes and I'm just like, I don't know who the director is. And then I learned like, I, I had been lucky because I always had like friends who were at the next phase of the career, right? They had been there, done that, right? And now I'm finding myself being that person for the, the younger people coming up and he was like, he's like, yeah, that's how it is. And just always like, no going in, do what you did at the audition. And that if no one's saying anything, that means you're doing good. Like, and I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that if no one's saying anything to you, that means you're doing good. And that if there's a problem, you will absolutely hear from, from someone. And it, it just made for shitty days on set where I was like, I would come home feeling like this, like this was the. I've been struggling to get these jobs and then this is the experience. It was a letdown. And, and in many ways, for me, filming is often a letdown compared to the type of work that I get to do when I do theater or, or in a scene study class even. It, it's, that's the pure acting work that I fell in love with as an actor. And then film is more rewarding at the end of the, at the end, when you get to see the film and you're like, wow, I, that's forever and, it, and I'm glad I did it. But in terms of the actual experience as an actor, it's clunky and it's like you were saying, it's like, let's get this chunk and then let's talk to this post-it off the side of the camera. So getting back to what you asked, how do you get good at that? And, and the only answer I have for that is by doing it. Because at the end of the day, 
you got to be a good actor, right? Like you have to be a good actor who learns a new skill set for that act. It's just like it's just like doing self tapes, right? If you're not a good actor, it doesn't matter what tricks you have for eye lines and this and editing and blah blah blah. blah. The thing holding everyone back the most is how good of an actor are you, and then it's like okay, now you start to learn the the, the technical stuff of of filming or of self taping, and it's just by practice. Obviously, talking to people like oh oh I didn't know what to do there. Oh yeah, when they do that, blah 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 blah. But it really comes down to the more you do that, and then that it just goes back to what I was saying. Well, okay, well how do I do more of that? Hollywood only hires me five times a year, so. Yeah. Oh, guess what? I make yeah. my own short films and I do as many USC I and and not even just random people's shit that ask that asked me to do it or or I because that's another day on set where I can get more accustomed to the bizarre, uncomfortable nature of filming. Yeah. Yeah. And well, too, this harkens back to what you were saying earlier of like setting your own quantitative bar like setting your yeah. own because if you're just showing up to set and looking for the director to come and like collaborate with you and stuff you're gonna get that at a student film 10,000 times more than you're gonna get it on the set of Criminal Minds like yeah. the, it is a machine when you go to a Hollywood set and you're probably not going to get to collaborate with a director you're probably going to provide the job you provide like you said plug the hole and then they're going to be like, thank you so much. So if you can find your own bars for being on set of like what that means to you, I think that's such useful yeah. information to set that in advance. Or else it does feel like you come home and you're like, the fuck did I even do? A hundred percent. No, look, look, we all like most, most actors at some point in there, I want to be an actor. I heard about Robert De Niro living in a small town for six months and blah, blah, blah. We all have this idea, right? And, and the, the romantic yeah, and, idea. And, and, and like, yeah. Now when I hear these interviews with the actors, I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm just, I, it's like, <laughs> fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, like. <laughs> It must like it must be nice, right? It it must it must be nice, and I'm glad you got to live in a cave and drink your own urine for six weeks, and you found you found your character, right? We have to do it in 48 yeah. hours for a self tape, like tomorrow. Well, the rest <laughs> of us that come to deliver the coffee and arrest the guy who lived in the cave for six months, and that and that's the thing, right? It, it's it's like do what you did in the audition because it's like. Especially nowadays, there's so a hundred fucking auditions. So they pick the thing that was exactly what they wanted. They don't have to pick yeah. the thing that's kind of what they wanted. And then we'll figure out how to make it work on set. It's like, no, we want that. And just if I could, they could copy and paste it into the background, they would. Yes, 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 yes. This is why we're striking against AI, by the way. Because <laughs> they can take it. <laughs> so it's it's really yeah. like, and whatever work you did to to make the audition work, you just got to like, you, you get on set and you get your bearings and you see, you see the world and all that and, and then do your acting work that, that got you there in the first place for the audition. It's rare that it's going to be more than that. It's rare that there's going to be like, okay, let, let's, Let's try it this way. And and then and then mm -hmm. like within that, like I've in the last few years, I've gotten to do more like substantial roles, like a, a 
couple of lead roles in movies, but they're lower budget movies. They're, they're true indie films. And now you're doing the role that might lend itself to that, except you're shooting the whole movie in 14 days and we don't have time. It's like, it's like we got it. And, and it's like moving on. And you're like, well, wait, what about the one where we talk about, I do it as if my mother abused me when I was six years old. Like, yes, it's, yes. it's like, no, we're not, we're not exploring different options and different backstory. It's like, we we're going to get it. We're going to get the vision that we have for this movie. And then, and then you're going to, we're going to, we're going to move on. So anyone out there, I wish you a, a better version of <laughs> a better version of that. Right. But, but in the meantime, it's, it, this is probably how it's going to, it's going to be. And then, and then yes. hopefully you can, you can break and you'll, you, you see it even with like, with the super successful people where they're finally getting their opportunity to do it like that. And these are people that have been famous for 10 years, but, but they're like, mm -hmm. they did a TV show and they were this or that. And, and they just weren't quite doing the level of work that they were capable of and wanted to. And after years and years of doing that, then they get that thing where they get to do all the work that, that they can do as an actor. And it's wonderful. I, I love seeing that. I love seeing that actor that you're like, that actor is so fucking good. And they're making the most out of this material that they're currently doing. And then they get some real heavy material and they, and they nail it. And you're like, it's, it's, yes. it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like the team won. Yeah. The good, the good guys won, <laughs> right? Like, it's like, the, yeah, the, the good, the good guys won when, when that happens. And, and again, another reason why I, continue to do short films and web series and student mm -hmm. films is like, that's my opportunity to, to get, get that meaty role to, and, and whatever mm -hmm. meaty is for you, it might be, that's, that's my opportunity to play against type. Like, like a player, yeah. I can play a doctor, right? Will I do a one line cop part on a, on a student film? No, that's not something I'm going to do. But will I play a school teacher? Will I play a father? Like, wh where the fuck else am I getting that opportunity? Yeah. Um, I want to hit on one last yeah. thing as we kind of wrap this up. And it's something you and I were on set for our friend Marco's film like a month or so ago. I don't know. Time is ridiculous. And we were talking about you are currently teaching a self-tape class. Yeah. And love to talk about what you've learned and what maybe the general public should know about this process. Because we also talked about how actors, the small amount of time you have to pop on camera. Yeah. And I thought it was such a good conversation. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed teaching this class, by the way. It was a friend of mine who works at an acting school asked me if I'd be interested. You know, and like 10 years ago, I would have like, no, I'm not a teacher. I'm an actor, right? Like that nonsense. And now I was like, yeah. hell yeah. Like I, I and, and I really enjoy it. It's fun and I feel... What school is it? It's at the Strasbourg Institute, which is a part of a theater company that's resident there. And then I've become friends with the people that run the school. And they, and I, and I, as an acting teacher, I didn't know, I'd feel a little uncomfortable still to like be doing that. But at, for, for self tapes, I was like, oh, I, I am totally qualified to be doing this. Right. The, honestly, the, the biggest thing I say to the kids and that I see, that might be like the, a problem is be a perfectionist. I, I can't explain that enough. Like if there's any little thing that bothers you about your tape, that means you, you've got to redo it. 
And mm, interesting, because I've heard both sides of this. So I'd love to hear your opinion. So, and it's, yeah, I mean, look, can you book a job with a horribly lit, terrible tape? Yes, of course. And again, if, if you're if you're paying for it and you go to a place, don't waste your money. Don't be neur- neurotic. But and I'm talking more on the on the acting front of things, where mm-hmm. if there's like a moment that doesn't feel honest or that you you could do better, I just I don't want like the odds of me getting a job are one percent. Why am I gonna push that to zero? Like why would I not do? Like the thing that's in my power is the tape I'm handing off. That's the one percent. Why would I not maximize that one percent as much as I can? And and it's like, look, yeah, whether whether whatever you were gonna say about it, like, oh, you don't have it doesn't have to be perfect. That's right. To to book a job, it doesn't have to be perfect. But I want to be a killer, right? I want everyone that's looking at my shit to know, oh, this guy's a pro. He's not someone who's gonna accidentally book a job because he was right, because we needed a bald meathead and he was the only one. I want everything to be like, this guy is a pro and every time we call him in, we're not going to have to worry about anything. We're not going to have to worry about like explaining to the du- director, well, it's not well lit or, and, and, and then it's like, there's also that subconscious shit. Like, and I, I'm saying this as someone who just cast a short film and yeah. I got 500 submissions. 500 submissions for three roles for a non-paying short film. Wow. And so it's like on the TV and film end, it's 5,000 per roll, right? I got like 160 per roll. So this is what you're up against. I'm the fat king sitting back saying, entertain me, jesters. And I'm, and I'm not, it's, it's a non-paying project. I almost cast someone who had a horrible production value and their, their thing was a complete mess, right? They were so perfect for it and their, and their acting was, was, was good, right? Their acting was good, the technical side of it, right? I ended up not casting them for other reasons. So to your point, can you accidentally book a job with a shitty tape? Yeah, yeah, if the acting's great, right? Mm-hmm. But like the confidence that me as the person making my short has when I see a killer tape, it's like, thank you. You just made my life easy. I don't, I'm not sitting there saying, well, he's right for the part and his acting's okay, but what if we get on set and he doesn't know how to talk to a post-it hanging off the side of the camera? And again, look, if it's laziness preventing your perfection, shame on you. If it's time and money preventing your perfection, okay. You, you know what I'm saying? Don't, don't, yeah. don't go crazy. Yeah. The other thing to throw on that. Be a perfectionist if you if you have that luxury, right? If you have the luxury to be a perfectionist, well, fuck, be, be it. It's, it's available for free. And then two yeah. is, it's really, and this, this is a thing no one wants to hear, it, you've got to be a great actor. And I worry that some people haven't taken an in-person acting class in the last three years. Like some people have never gone to an in-person audition fine, but our acting journey, what we talked about, only advances when you're doing in-person stuff. I'm not knocking Zoom acting classes, but I bang for buck. You got to get with a qualified teacher and start doing some real scene work and some meeting. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's yeah. that thing where, is it going to help? Like, 
it doesn't always match up, right? It doesn't always match up that like, oh, and now I'm booking work in Hollywood. But, but as an artist and as a journey to becoming a great actor, and that's like what a lot of the times what I, what I tell the kids is like, look, this self-tape class, you're learning a lot of the tricks. And I talk about eye lines and I talk about how to edit it and all that stuff. But like, you got to have some steak with the sizzle. Okay? Yes. The that's steak. what I was going to ask you is what you said, a killer tape. What did you see, especially in the thing you just cast? It's, it's that the people are living in, in, in a reality and they don't look like an actor doing a self-tape. That. That's, but that's, but that's acting, right? You look like a human being experiencing life and not an actor on a stage. It's a journey. And it's, it's that with all that we talked about, it's like, well, how do you tangibly know? And all I know is the actors that I cast, they knew how to make my script feel like a real human going through stuff and not like an actor doing an audition. And that's the thing. And it's like, I tell everyone, like, cast a project and you will learn more about your own acting career from that than you will almost from anything else. And what you learn is the excitement that the producers or casting directors feel when you're a killer. I remember the, I forget the term they use, but the, I, I did the, I, I did a few episodes of the show Shameless and it was one of my, best auditions that I, that I had done. And I knew I nailed it. And one of the writers like introduced herself to me and she's like, she's like, we called you a, and I forget the term. It was something like a five star or, or something like that, a term for the actors that checked every box. I can't wish I knew the term, but it was, I was like, it was such the best compliment I could get. Cause it's what I strive to do is to be the problem solver, be the killer, be the, the badass that is like, Jesus, that, that's, that solves our, that solves everything. It, it, there's no, there's no like, oh, and then you, you can't control, oh, I'm too tall. Or, I don't have hair. That, that yeah. will factor in for most of the things you don't get. But when you're the type and then you've given them like no reason to even think about anything on the other end of that, it's the greatest feeling. It's so satisfying when you're just like, oh my God, my script works. My script works and I don't have to, I don't have to direct in any capacity. That's an amazing thought that I don't think most of us think about is someone watching our tape and thinking my script works, not like, oh, this actor is really talented or like, but to think like this is working. Like that is so, such a clean objective to like add to the mental filing case. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like the best way to get to, to get that knowledge is to cast your own project. Or, or I would say like ask a casting director, if, if you have any friends, if you could, if you could help them, right. Be now it's not be a reader, but even if you could just like sit down and go through tapes with them and, and like just yeah. to, to be on the other side of the experience. And, and then it's like, Oh, that's what they need. And like you just said, it's not like, oh, look at me. I can act. It's like, no, you're making someone's vision come, come alive. And you, you do that by being an honest actor, right? That's the, the goal of it all is someone had an idea and now they're seeing it happen in real time. Hmm. I think that's such a good place for us to wrap this up. Eddie, this is so great. Is there anywhere you want to direct people to any projects you have coming out or 
any social media or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, my, my social media is just my, at my name, Eddie Alfano, E-D-D-I-E-A-L-F-A-N-O. Thanks so much, Eddie. This was absolutely rad. Yeah, it was great. Great hanging with you. <laughs>